Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. I am so excited for this one. Well, I mean, if you're, you obviously have seen the title, you know how podcasters always say, today, as a surprise, we're talking about blah, blah, blah. I know you saw the title, you know what we're talking about. So you might be surprised as to why I'm so excited and pumped up, but we're having my incredible, fantastic, otherworldly, angelic, beautiful, flaw. I really turn into Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec when I think about her. My sister-in-law, Haley McNamara, is back again this week on the podcast. She came on about a year ago, and we did this fantastic episode all about Ghislaine Maxwell, sex trafficking, and this idea of women being involved in sex trafficking and how sex trafficking truly works. Typically, you're not kidnapped in a grocery store parking lot and then chained up somewhere. It's it's a lot more kind of real than you might think. A lot of sex trafficking is done by people that you know or have a close relationship with or fake a relationship with you. And when I heard about everything that was happening with Andrew Tate and him being arrested for sex trafficking, I immediately knew who I had had on. So I'm really excited to have Haley back here. We're going to talk a little bit about Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan Tate's arrests, their sex trafficking. And we're going to kind of dive in with Haley as our expert here as to how this happened. This idea of the lover boy method, cam girls being, you know, maybe not having agency or how you can tell is somebody doing sex work of their own volition or is this coercion and kind of those shaky lines between all of this. So I don't want to talk too much about Andrew Tate because it actually freaks me out how much I fucking hate this guy. Like, I don't know. There's just something about, I just, I mean, I feel like I don't have to say it to you. I feel like we probably feel the same way about him, but I wanted to hop on in this intro because Haley and I recorded last week. There's just a little bit of something new on the case. There was a video that came out uh, January 25th. So probably a few days uh, earlier than when you listen to this, but him and his brother, which is basically, it looks like him, but with hair and they were being dragged kind of from one location to the next. They're going to be held in custody until the end of February. And there were some reporters out there and we got a little bit of a snippet of what they were saying about their arrest. So the first brother, Tristan Tate, the one with hair (laughs) was very in the video, very anxious did not seem well. And he was basically shouting to the reporters, there is no evidence against me. The authorities are planning to steal my cars and steal my money. That is why I'm in jail. And then following him, we get a little video clip of Andrew Tate. And he is basically saying, quote, they know we have done nothing wrong. This file is completely empty. Of course, it's unjust. There is no justice in Romania, unfortunately. And then one of the reporters asked, have you hurt women? And he said, of course not. Which, first of all, you've hurt me. (laughs) You've hurt my feelings. You've hurt my eyeballs with your ugliness. And you've also hurt my ears because I listened to Andrew Tate for a while. And if anyone doesn't know who he is, I just kind of imagined everyone does. He's this piece of shit YouTuber content creator. He's a male influencer. He used to be a kickboxer. And then he got a shit ton of money by trafficking women. Okay, we'll get into that later in the episode. And then he started to become one of these alpha male male influencers online who would basically say, here's how you get your money up. Here's how you should be with women. Here's why I'm so good with women. Here's why you have to hustle and grind. And we'll be getting a little bit more into him. But 
I have this rule that I've implemented with myself, and this was even before I was a content creator, where if there's anyone I don't like online or anyone that the media is trying to get me to not like, I make a deal with myself that I'm going to listen to an hour of them straight up, not a compilation clip of their worst hits or somebody who's trying to sway my opinion of them. So through this, I've listened to an hour of content of... um. Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Dax Shepard. I mean, this was just like, I didn't like the headlines I read about him. And I said, okay, I have to give him a fair chance. Listen to him for an hour. And I listened to Andrew Tate. Oh, those fuckers from Fresh and Fit. Basically, I've listened to so many shitty people and some of them I end up liking, but then most of them I'm like, yeah, no, there's a reason why people don't like them. So I've listened to a good amount of Andrew Tate's stuff. And we get into this when Haley comes on. I'm going to shut up soon. But it's basically just, look, I really do try to give people a fair chance. Andrew Tate is not worth it. And it's really a shame that there's so many men who believe that he's a victim of the matrix and he's actually got you know, everything going for him and what's happening is really unfair. It's just sad. I know that we live in this world of guys are upset with women and women, you know, hate all men. And it just makes me sad. And people like Andrew Tate are just here to divide us even further. There's no place for them online. So God, I I really brought the vibe down, didn't I? I said that I was excited for this. You know what? Let's get it back up. Okay. We're excited for this episode and I'm going to bring on the fantastic Haley McNamara and we're going to find out a little bit underneath the curtain of what's happening. All right, welcome back to Fluently Forward. I'm so happy to have on again the lovely Haley McNamara. Welcome back to the show, Haley. I'm so honored to be back. Thank you. Longtime listener. I was listening to your episode <laughs> on um, the, uh, oh my gosh, the celebrity like Botox and plastic surgery and everything. Great episode. Yeah. Listening to it on my way to get Botox. So. <laughs> <laughs> You play it as it's happening. You're like, the doctor can pick up a few tips too, yeah. you know, <laughs> grab another listener. Um, the last time you were on here, we were talking about sex trafficking through the lens of Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. And I have had so many people reach out to me since that episode, which by the way, I listened back to it and cringe because I was a very new podcaster and I kept interrupting you every other sentence. So <laughs> delayed apologies for that. Um, Not at all. Every- Everyone loved the episode that you were on, and I think it was like a huge – it was just interesting to a lot of people because with this phrase of sex trafficking going around now, people think QAnon, taken, kidnapping, grabbed in the grocery store parking lot, and you kind of walked us through all of the different methods of sex trafficking. What would you say is the most common misconception about what people think sex trafficking is and what, you know, the average median mode of it typically is in cases. Yeah. So sex trafficking is um, any kind of commercial sex act induced by force, fraud, or coercion. I think we mentioned that in the last episode and that anyone under the age of 18 is automatically a trafficking victim. Children cannot um, consent to that. And also, Uh, So And so I think maybe the biggest misconception is that it's always physical force, that people are in chains, in dungeons, have bruises on them, um, that it's quite clear that they don't want to be there, when in reality, the majority of traffickers use psychological coercion. Um, and, And that is a huge bucket and topic in and of itself. But yeah, in short, I would say just the reality of psychological coercion and that it just doesn't always look the way that you would think it does when you first maybe meet someone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and we're going to be talking about Andrew Tate today, unfortunately, but we're not going to be done. We're going to talk a little bit less about him, and he's more of an example of topics that we can talk about because obviously he has been arrested for sex trafficking or at least charged. I don't know the legal terms. We'll get into it. He was detained at least, and his house was raided for issues of sex trafficking. And the main thing that people are saying online is, These women were his girlfriends, like they wanted to be there, they were making money, and I'm really excited for us to kind of break that down. So you and I over Christmas break, we were talking about Andrew Tate, and it was honestly like magic. We literally manifested what happened to him. We talked about how much we hated him at breakfast, and by lunch, the news had come out that he was detained. That was unreal. Yeah. I think we really put it into the universe. Yeah, it was fantastic. So what did you know about Andrew Tate before all of this happened? So um, I didn't, I had heard his name. I'd heard there was some controversy around him. um, And I sort of unwillingly ended up learning some facts about him that he's this former kickboxer turned man, social media influencer slash like MLM king. So he was on Big Brother at one point. Uh, and basically just gotten this huge following on social media. And a lot of people will say that he gives really great advice about like work hard, grind. And he's always talking about his like fancy sports cars and getting chicks. And then that like quickly deteriorates into some more degrading comments around women. Yeah. And I think that's become aware or what, what have you heard about him just in general? Well, the way you described it was perfect. It's like all unwilling. I actually went on a spree on TikTok and every account that would post clips of him, I blocked every account that I saw and I was still getting clips of Andrew Tate because one of the reasons that he got so big was because part of his like MLM scheme of Hustlers University of teaching people how to get rich quick, which by the way, it's not developing your talents. It's not educating yourself. He's encouraging and teaching people to do scams through Hustlers University. He's encouraging people to do the Alibaba scam where you basically like buy all of these, um, I don't know, let's say food processors for cheap and then you sell them on Amazon and that's how you make money or you repost clips of him on TikTok that go viral and then that's how you make money. So he's not encouraging people to better themselves. He's encouraging people to get money fast. And if the lottery has taught us anything... There, there's a reason that there are building blocks to success and nobody just gets rich overnight quick. You can't teach that to a bunch of people. But he also talks so poorly about women that I really found myself honestly kind of frightened by how much he enraged me because there's a lot of crazy people online. And I find most of them you can kind of laugh at or make jokes at them, even if you hate their guts. And I don't know what it is about Andrew Tate, but he really enraged me in a specific way. I don't I don't know. Did you get that feeling with him? You know, it was just what I thought was so interesting was whenever I would like talk to guys that I knew in real life, they would say like, "Oh yeah, he says some crazy stuff, but he also says good stuff too." Like I think everyone was just very I don't I don't know if it's I think that there's a truth that a lot of young men don't feel like they have really great masculine role models. They feel like there's a dearth of that. And um, like whether you agree with that or not, that obviously that's why there's such a big audience for someone like Andrew Tate. And then 
I know. So, so for me, like one of the very frustrating things was people would be like, well, he said some good stuff too about work hard and don't have a, you know, victim mentality, take charge of your own life. And sure, you know, a, those are in of, of themselves, like not bad things. But then when he's also saying things like um, that he moved to Romania so that, you know, he could get away with rape. And then he's like, not that I'm a rapist, but I like the idea that they're less, uh, strict like he he basically he said that and in clips and he's said a lot of really awful things about women like not having agency um that women are like basically this very sexually objectifying view of women I don't know so it's just but it's been interesting how a lot of guys will say like but he says good stuff too so like you can't throw it all out and I don't know. To me, that's been the most frustrating part, I guess. Just I'm like, well, just there's other people who are also saying good things. And 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 maybe there's I don't know. Does that make sense? It, it makes Haley, it makes perfect sense. Like it it's like you spoke the words straight out of my soul. And that's exactly how I felt, too. And I remember over on Patreon, I was talking about how, um, you know, my ex-boyfriend had watched Andrew Tate. If there's a man in your life, he's watched Andrew Tate. And we need to stop pretending that like I remember somebody commented on Patreon. They were like, that's so embarrassing for him and for you to admit that. And I'm like, we need to stop. First of all, like, life is embarrassing, okay? Everyone does embarrassing stuff. Secondly, if there's a man in your life and he's, like, under the age of 50, he's probably watched an Andrew Tate video because I'm a 29-year-old woman and they come across my TikTok page. So you're getting inundated with that stuff if you are a guy. And to say that, like, most guys do say that, right? They say, oh, well, yeah, you know, some of the stuff he says is crazy, but not all of it is. And to me, it's just falling underneath that, but Hitler was a great painter type of thing. And it's like, why, if if the person is 90% or 80% bad, right? Their content is 80% shit, and then 20% of it is good stuff, why are you going to fall on your sword defending that 20%? And I think it's because, like you said, who else is there for guys to listen to? And it's just really sad that all of this alpha male content is cars, watches, golf, getting bitches, and also hating women, almost to the point where you look at a lot of these alpha male characters online and you're like, I think you might actually be gay. Like, I just actually don't think you want to spend time with a woman. I don't think you want to kiss her. I don't think you like women in general at all. And there's a lot of people who have been speculating that about Andrew Tate. And it's just like the the opposite of masculinity is not hating femininity. Like, both of those things exist together. You're supposed to have aspects of both, I think. Right, yeah. I think I think the, the thing that just takes him off on the wrong path, among many things, but just more generally is like, he really pits women and men against each other. And I think mm-hmm. whenever anyone does that, right? So it's like, if I'm speaking to someone and they're like, well, I've listened to some of his videos and I'm not ready to call him the devil yet. Like, we'll see what you think by the time you hear about his sex trafficking claims and everything. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, just pitting women and men against each other is never a good thing. And And like you said, a lot of his like, he's promoting masculinity as like in a very materialistic way. Like, I don't see him bettering society, right? Like it's all making money off of scams and really using people. Like he seems from, obviously I don't know him personally, like a user period of women, I think clearly and in some pretty extreme ways, but even of the guys who are in his audience, like he has these 
pornography camming companies. We'll talk more about that as it goes on. And that's where a lot of these exploitation claims have come out. But he's also talked in interviews about how he's basically making this money off of coaching the women and having the women get into very emotional relationships with men and then like having sob stories and telling those men, like, please send me money, send me money, and scamming men as well, like, as as well as exploiting the women. He's also scamming guys who are like, oh, I this is my girlfriend now, and she needs money for helping her get out of the country or helping her with a medical bill or something. And so I, I just think that that's a really interesting angle as well. And, like, someone who maybe has listened to him in the past and doesn't know what to think about, you know, exploitation issues at least that should make you pause and think like, I don't know, it, it makes me really sad that he's like one of the few masculine role models that men feel like they have right now, because I just think it's like the opposite of what strong, like good masculinity is, which is being protectors of the vulnerable and helping build society in productive ways. And I I don't know, I think Andrew Tate's a user, so. Oh, he's got the darkest energy out of everyone. And it's so true what you said about manipulating men too, because when I think of people who listen to Fluently Forward, I would want to get a drink with every single person. I know that we would be friends. I have before in the past. I'm about to do it again next week. Like I truly think that we all could get dinner and be friends because we think the same. And you know that Andrew Tate looks at the men who subscribe to his YouTube channel and go to Hustlers University, and he is laughing at them. He doesn't respect them at all. He's just there to take money from you. And it's just, it's so disappointing because like you said, men and women, like it, it makes me so upset. And there are female focused channels and groups that I think do talk about, you know, just disrespecting men. And I do think that their things are are unfair for both genders. I think it's more unfair for women, but I'm not going to lie and say that like there isn't a crisis happening right now with men. Um, but it just makes me so sad because there are such great qualities of men. Obviously, my brother is your husband. I love Brendan. I love my dad. I think of such great qualities in men of how like the minute you ever ask for help from a good guy, he wants to help get you solutions. Like, learn like I think of guys really good guys as the type that want to explain the board game that like play chess <laughs> online that get like really into history that love building something that love family that love like creating good times and bringing people together and community and there's so many great aspects of that and I just hate that we're seeing the worst of the worst online because mm -hmm. it seems like the shit kind of rises to the top and that's what everybody thinks of each other so yeah, if anyone knows of any good male role models out there online, like, Haley, are there any that you know of that are good? I mean, I'm not in the market for it as a lady, <laughs> but none that I really know of. Um, and actually, I was chatting with Brendan before this because I was like, do you, who are like the male, like, especially celebrities? Like, is there a male celebrity who's like a really strong masculine role model? And like, the only one that I could think of was the guy who plays Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. I feel like people love oh, him. Yeah. And he was like a sweetheart. But anyway, no, that's the only one I could think of. Maybe there's more. I would love to know about more. 
Uh, yeah, I feel like people talk about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Chris Hemsworth as like these big men who I don't know, whatever. So we'll see. All I'm saying is that if if one guy, even Logan Paul is shitting on Andrew Tate. So like we can't get much worse than that. If any guy wants to step up and be a new influencer, I will happily show myself for you, MLM grind, and like repost your videos so that way you could overtake Andrew Tate. Because like that's what we should do, honestly. Women should just like secretly get some guy to the top and start reposting like the nicest stuff ever. Yeah, get gas up some nice gentlemen out there. Exactly. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up? Is it checking your credit score? Probably not, but at Chime, that's exactly what they do. With their secure Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start to build credit with your own money. Chime reports your payments to credit bureaus to help you build credit over time, and their members see an increase of 30 points on average. All of this with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks to apply. So, you can start your credit journey with Chime. Signing up only takes two minutes, and it doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash Fluently. That's Chime.com slash fluently. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank pursuant to a license with Visa USA Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secure Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user scores may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Okay, let's get a little bit into the news and facts of Andrew Tate. Obviously, if something has happened by the time this airs, I'll have talked about it at the beginning, but... Andrew Tate was detained along with his brother Tristan, who looks exactly like him, but this one has hair. They had their house raided. And they were also, what was interesting was that there were two more people who were raided or taken into custody with them. Influencers' girlfriends, there were two women here, 28 and 32. And it's funny because they were called Tate's Angels, which is similar to kind of Taz's Angels. That's a whole other story. But a lot of people were focusing on these two women because (laughs) Andrew Tate is one of those people that's like the younger the woman, the better. Like they really hit the wall at 25. And it's like, bruh, your girlfriends are 28 and 32. But what's interesting is that that's what people were talking about online and not the fact that all four of them were arrested for trafficking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Instead, they were just like, oh, and they're old bitches. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) People um, collective caring sometimes. 100%. They really do. So so they lost um, – I think they appealed to, like, whatever, get out of jail or something. They, they lost that because they were all judged a flight risk, which I think that they definitely are. And apparently their assets were seized, like all of his Bugattis and stuff because they might have to – I don't know. Like, he might have to sell some of that to help himself. It's it's up and down. The main thing I want to talk about is this lover boy method that Andrew Tate himself has said is his method for seducing and tricking these women into being trafficked and basically working for him. So he talked about this on the Fresh and Fit podcast, another, like, horrific – how did these people get so famous? Another horrific podcast. And he said on there that he was earning $600,000 a month from 75 female webcam models. So on his very own website, which isn't up anymore, but of course there are archive screenshots, he wrote that 50% of his employees – 
aka victims, you know, were his girlfriend at one time and quote, none were in the adult entertainment industry before they met me. And he's like really braggadocious whenever he talks about this. So this is what he says on his website, quote, my job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, sleep with her, test if she's quality, get her to fall in love with me to where she'd do anything I say and then get her on webcam so we could become rich together. Whether you agree or disagree with what I did with their loyalty, submission, and love for me doesn't matter. You cannot reject the results and the results are simple. My girlfriends would do more for me than 99.9% of men's wives would do for them. Which by the way, not true. Like you don't know what love in a family is. Anyway, he then describes his dating process, quote, I learned the most time efficient way to meet girls, get them through the dating process, get them to bed, test if they're a good girl or not, and begin the process of them falling deeper and deeper into love. That is my skill to extremely efficiently get women to fall in love with me. It's just so sick. First of all, just the way of describing it, the way of talking about it like an assembly line and being so self-aware of what you're doing. So my question for you is we've all heard of now we've kind of heard of this lover boy method or narcissists with love bombing and trying to, you know, put you on a pedestal before things go haywire a couple of months in. How aware are abusers of the fact that they're doing this? Like, do people actively know if they're love bombing or lover boying you? I'm just so curious about it from like their point of view. Yeah. So, so some of the terms, something like a, a lover boy or some might call it like a Romeo pimp or a Romeo trafficker. I've heard that too. Those people absolutely know what they're doing. Love, love bombing is a bit more that, that phrase kind of gets thrown around a lot, but a trafficker, a pimp, um, an abuser, knows what they're doing when when they're setting this up. I mean, clearly Andrew Tate, you know, he's like describing it word for <laughs> yeah. word. And yeah, it's 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 really uh pretty much exactly like he describes it. It's a syst- systematic way of connecting with someone, speaking to their vulnerabilities, speaking with them really aspirationally, making them feel really loved. And then I always talk about it like it's the frog in boiling water that you just slowly yeah. turn up the heat. And, um, and a lot of people hear that and they think like, well, what, like if a boyfriend started telling me to sell myself or, you know, let people buy images of me online and I'm not into that, I would obviously just say no and walk away. You know, that's like a really easy thing for people to think about, like, how does it get to that extreme level? But I think that almost everyone has had some form of a much smaller watered down version of being in a relationship and then the relationship ending and thinking back and thinking, you know what, I was tolerating treatment at some point in some way that I never would have tolerated or I would never would have, if I had been my friend, I would have told my friends to leave that relationship or not tolerate something. And so for some people, and like, especially when someone's a skilled manipulator, it really can just escalate even beyond, you know, oh, you know, he used to say kind of jerky stuff to me or wasn't very nice to my family. And I just let it slide. Um, You know, for some people that can escalate, whether that's like an intimate partner abuse situation or to a level of um, commercial exploitation. Yeah, it's so true. And I remember too, talking to my friend once, And this was back when I was a young, fresh thing, and I didn't know much in the ways of life. And I remember saying something similar. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. But this is when I was a almost, oh, God, no, I think I was like 20. But I remember we were talking about abusive relationships. And I said, unfortunately, the same exact thing where I was like, 
I just don't understand this whole psychological manipulation thing. If you want to leave, just get out the door and leave. And then the universe handed me a really shitty relationship like two years later where I was the frog in boiling water. And I remember afterwards just being like, it is so true. And even if you haven't had a shitty relationship, I don't know, maybe people could even almost think about it with like a job. Like, you know how sometimes you stay in a job because you've got those golden handcuffs and it's really shitty. And over time you're like, well, if I had known it was this, I never would have signed up for the job. But now that I'm here, I guess I might as well stay. It's just, there's something about time and breaking down your boundaries that really does, I don't know, it just like changes people's resolve. And manipulation is like a really real impactful thing. So let's say you're someone and the lover boy method is targeted on you. What are some signs that people can look out for where you might be saying, okay, is this person just crazy in love with me? And they're asking a normal request versus like they're trying to manipulate me. What can you look out for? Um, well, some things are, you know, isolation. Um, if they're speaking poorly about your friends or your family members, um, just trying to make you think that other people in your life don't have your best interest at heart. Um, that's always something to look out for. Um, yeah, you know, you know, it's tough because it, it can always be a little bit, a little bit different. So I would say isolation, um, and just escalating of pushing boundaries. I think often there will be some testing that, um, an abuser might of really any kind might do to see how firmly you stick to your boundaries or not. And that's not to say, you know, that's not, it's not your fault if you don't stick to your boundaries. Actually, very typically, um, especially I know in intimate partner abuse situations, they're targeting women, um, you know, speaking about women, obviously this happens to um, everyone, but they're often targeting people who are very kind, who are very empathetic, who want to be accommodating, maybe have a little bit of a people-pleasing tendency. And so it's really easy to have some squishy boundaries around things that seem small. It's not a big deal. Of course, of course, I'll forgive you. Like that little tiff that we had won't happen again. And then they just keep kind of ratcheting it, ratcheting it up. Um, I, was, I will say another thing just to be really cautious about um is that very often and maybe we'll talk about this more you know if there's like sexual content that is created or recorded that is often used um to extort or blackmail people as well and that's you know I don't know obviously insider details about the Andrew Tate situation but I sometimes I've wondered if some if in that kind of situation it's very possible that, well, once you take one photo, once you've done one webcam, um, I know typically traffickers will then say, well, now you have to keep doing it because now I have this image of you and I'll sh share it to your friends or to your coworkers um, if you don't kind of continue escalating. So I think that's that's a tactic that's very often used, again, with a lot of different kinds of abusers, but especially in the commercial sector. Yeah. So so speaking of that with Andrew Tate, I know you've worked for Nicosi National Center on, on sexual, exploitation. sexual exploitation. Not for. <laughs> not for. Yeah, not uh, of. And you've worked for them for what, eight years now? Yeah. In May, it'll be eight years. Eight so years. Long. And Nicosi is working with and supporting some of the victims of Andrew Tate. So how did that come about? 
Well, so we have put out there that our, we have a law center that sometimes will file lawsuits on behalf of survivors against institutions that have facilitated sexual exploitation or abuse. So, for example, I'm pretty sure in the last episode we did together, we talked about uh, we have a lawsuit against Twitter on behalf of two young boys whose um, sex trafficked explicit videos were uploaded to Twitter and shared and Twitter was informed and Twitter did not take it down. So those kinds of lawsuits. Um, we also have a lawsuit um, against Pornhub on behalf of some people who were sex trafficked and their videos were uploaded and commercialized on Pornhub. So we've essentially just made our law center available as a resource for people to reach out to if they are a survivor of exploitation in relation to Andrew Tate or other entities, you know, you can reach out to us. And even if a legal, like a lawsuit isn't what ends up coming out of it, we have a survivor services coordinator who can just in general talk with you and help you get resources, get plugged into resources in your area. So we just are just trying to pro- let let people know that that's a resource for them. And it was very interesting because when we were that, so that's really all that we've said about Andrew Tate on social media and the amount of negative comments we got online was very shocking, you know, especially considering like the people who follow our accounts typically are against sex trafficking. That's why they're <laughs> yeah. following us. But a lot of people who just believe that Andrew Tate is innocent and we'll see how these court cases go. But we were just saying that we're offering a resource if there's a survivor who needs a resource. Like that's all that we're saying. And the, there were so many comments too that were saying, well, do Epstein next. Well, why aren't you talking about Jeffrey Epstein? Like, clearly you're just focusing on Andrew Tate, like, and you don't care about Epstein. And we're like, are you kidding me? We've been talking about Epstein for years. We're petitioning the Department of Justice saying that they need to keep investigating and going after more of these people who obviously were clients, sex buyers of Epstein. Like, we want more done there. A survivor of Epstein actually is our survivor services coordinator with our law center. Like she works with us. So it's pretty, it just blew my mind, the number of people who were saying that. And this is a bit of a tangent, but I just think it's like a symptom of people being almost like partisan. It's, I I don't know, I guess Andrew Tate's like connected somewhat with the right, but I don't know. I think every, it's the same way where people would be like, oh, well, Clinton was on Epstein on Epstein's jet. Well, Trump had a picture with Epstein. Like, it, I don't. I just want no trafficking. It doesn't matter to me who the person is. I want survivors to have access to justice and to resources. So, I don't know that that really surprised me that response. But anyway, that's a bit of a rabbit hole. But. It's just so infuriating. Like I see it all the time, and it's also a little bit. Where, like, if I talk about sex trafficking, too, so many people say that I'm QAnon. And it's just, like, you should be able to talk about sex trafficking without it going off the rails into this. And I saw it recently with what happened with Balenciaga, right? Everybody's, like, Holly Weird and, like, all of these celebrities. And then the celebrities, especially Julia Fox, is, like, actually, bam, what about the Catholic Church? And it's, like, wow, you know how many people get helped by us saying it's Hollywood, it's Hollywood, it's the church, it's the church. 
literally no one, literally no one. And I hate when people take opportunities like this to try to like moralize what they're about by pointing out how everybody else is wrong. We like, let's just say sex trafficking is bad wherever we find it or anything related to child. I'm not going to say pornography because you taught me it's child sex abuse material, CSAM or whatever. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it in a Balenciaga photo shoot. I don't want to see it coming out of Andrew Tate's mouth. I don't want to see it anywhere. So, it, God, it's just so frustrating when that happens, and it it makes me angrier than I could say. Because how was that your first ever instinct where something happens and you go, well, what about this over here that happened? You don't care about it. Yeah, and especially when we're just saying that we have lawyers and some services as a resource for survivors. Like that's, that's what we're here for. So. So insane. Now, what about this? So I know that you talked about, um, lawsuits against Twitter and Pornhub. Mm -hmm. What if you are a victim of somebody who has your nudes or explicit content of you or a video and they're threatening to blackmail you or send it to the entire school? Do you have resources for people like that on individuals or kind of what steps do you take if there's content of you out there and somebody's threatening to spread it around? Um, so, yes, there are resources and there's help available. This is a really common experience, actually. There's a, there's sort of emerging phrases to describe this kind of experience, the ones that we use is like image-based sexual abuse. And I would guess I would define it as like the actual or th uh, threatened creation or distribution of sexual content without consent. So this is a big bucket. It can include anything from like quote unquote revenge pornography. Although I don't really like the term revenge pornography, like revenge for what? Like it's not yeah. just like non-consensually shared or recorded content, but it also could include deep fakes and this is a really huge issue right now. Like, actually, there was a 2017 survey that of over 3,000 people that found one in eight had been targets of this. They'd either been threatened that their images would be shared online or that their images actually had been shared online. Like, one out of eight people. And 73% of people who are victims of image-based sexual abuse don't turn to anyone for help because they're so scared. And they also don't know that there is help. So I, I just want to say there, there is help for that. And it's really something that we need to talk more about because there should not be, you know, any onus of like blame on people just because even if someone consensually shared an image, you know, with a boyfriend or something, and then they share it later on or upload it to a website, like that's not the person who created the content's fault. That's not anyway. So just if if you are someone who's, who's experienced that or know someone who has, it's not your fault and there are resources to help. So in the United States, um, 48 states and Washington, D.C. have laws prohibiting the distribution or production of non-consensually shared. And I remember when that came out, wasn't it kind of recent when that happened, like within the last 10 years? Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty recent. So it is prohibited. We don't have a federal law on it right now, but I think we're, we want one. Um, or, what are the two states where, like, you're screwed on that? That's a good question. I don't have that 
memorized. I should have. Okay. Yeah. So, so some resources for you if you've experienced something like that would be the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. I think they would be like my first go-to. They have a great website. You can make reports there. They show you how to try to send takedown requests to companies. You could also reach out to the FBI Internet Crime Complaint Form online. And also, if you are under 18, that is child sexual abuse material. Um, you There's this great organization called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They're basically the ones that are doing the Amber Alerts and are removing a lot of child sex abuse videos from, from online. And their website is missingkids.org. And they have a new system, and I can give you the link to put in show notes or something if you want. Yeah. Or if you are under 18 and your explicit content is out there, they have like forms for you to fill out to help get it taken down. So those are great. But I would still say there's more we need to do in this arena because there's not a really great system for companies. Like we have laws against like the boy the boyfriend sharing that material could be held legally accountable. But we need more accountability for companies to prevent and take down non-consensually shared materials also because... Because they leave that shit up and make money off of it. They do. Like one company, I won't say the name of it, but we had a video of a sex trafficking victim that was on their platform. We let them know that that's what it was. And they reviewed the video and then said that they could not see coercion. So they were going to leave it up. And then there's another company, this one I will name, Reddit. Our lawyers have contacted them over a year ago to take down some videos of sex trafficking victims that were being circulated on Reddit. And they have ignored them. Like to this day, they have not confirmed that they've removed those videos. So Reddit stinks to high heaven. Some of the people who literally work there, they've been outed as actual pedophiles running certain subreddits. There's so many fucked up things that happen on reddit even the subreddits that like you allow and they take some of them down but you know like jailbait was huge for years like it's just so sick and and reddit has a new they unleashed like this brand new fancy policy saying that they're against non-consensual like sexually explicit content <laughs> but it's everywhere like in two set i just a month or two ago i looked at their policy and the things that they say they don't allow such as like leaked or stolen content. I mean, content from OnlyFans. Like I've seen OnlyFans stuff on there, there all the time. Yeah, always on there. Within like ten minutes, I was able to find examples of almost every kind of image-based sexual abuse that they say supposedly isn't allowed on their platform. So that's why so we actually are supporting a bipartisan legislation called the Protect Act, which would require websites that allow explicit material to obtain verified age and consent from the people in the materials. Like if you're going to allow yeah. the content, you need to be accountable and actually proactively making sure that there's agent consent. Um, and if you can't do that, then don't allow it. And also we need these companies to just have like better policies to remove the material. If someone reports it, like you err on the side of believing the survivor and put the onus on the person who uploaded it to prove that there was consent. And if they can't like prove that they don't have a contract written out and stamped, then just take it, take it down. So, yeah. And also those people should be getting 
paid for it too. Like, let's say you're a sex worker. Like I see this happen with popular sex workers all the time. Somebody will just take their video, clip it, and then put it on Twitter or um, Reddit. And then they're getting all of the, you know, oh, follow my website. I post clips of X, Y, Z. Oh my God. That's like somebody else who, you know, was getting DP'd and you're making money off of it. Like that makes me so mad. Yeah. And and I would say that those people are victims of an image-based sexual abuse just by their images being, you know, shared in content yeah. they did not consent or agree to. Way Way has a new anti-dandruff shampoo, and I will say with my chest fully out that I have had my experiences with dandruff over the years. I was one of those girls that kept thinking, maybe it is just dry scalp, and then I would go to the hair salon, and they would say, no girl, that is dandruff, okay? But we don't always have to have dandruff, so being flake-free is the way to be in 2023 with Way's new anti-dandruff shampoo. You can do more than drugstore with gentle shampoo that takes the rough out of dandruff. It's formulated with their Cape Town fragrance. It has notes of ginger and spearmint, so your hair will smell as good as it feels. After 28 days, 100 of participants using this anti-dandruff shampoo agreed that they saw fewer flakes and their scalp felt less itchy and irritated. So you can do more than drugstore with the new anti-dandruff shampoo from Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use Fluently for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code Fluently. And what makes me so mad about that Reddit stuff too is like not only are you a piece of shit making money off of this stuff, but you're parading and masking yourself as someone who's going about it the right way and you should follow my example and we're doing it by the book. Assholes. Ooh, I hate Reddit. But I'm I'm glad we spoke about that with the unconsensual photos being shared. I remember when I was young, like I was 18, and I was I had just gotten you know what? I'm not going to go into details of it. I'll leave it a little bit vague. But I was um, Skyping with this guy in like high school that I had met at like, you know, something that like wasn't my school. And we would Skype sometimes and I thought he was cute. I think it actually wasn't Skype. I think it was Uvu. This was like before Skype was a thing. And I remember he went to show me something on his desktop when we were video chatting and the entire desktop was littered of screenshots and it was screenshots of me the one time I like showed him my bra or something and the feeling that goes through you when you find out that someone has secretly been screenshotting or recording or doing something that you do and mine was just like a bra from freaking the children's place or like TJ Maxx or something and your blood runs cold and you just you just think that you have zero options in that moment because especially once something is screenshotted or shared, they could send it to their friend or put it on Google Drive or do something like that and you truly feel like you have no options. So knowing that at the very least you can send a message to the individual doing this, at the very least scare the shit out of them. What is the most that can come out of this? Like do people get sued? Do they have to – do they go to jail? Do they pay money? Like if this follows the furthest extent of the law, what can you really – you know, target someone with? I think it's, I think there might be some variance state by state, depending on how their law is. I, I think that I've heard of people going to jail for it or getting 
find definitely people have sued others in the past. So so I think really there's a lot of different options of how it could work out depending on your state. I would just need to look up those specific rules. But the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative is a really great like go-to shop to get all that information and see what like legal options you have before you. Okay. Interesting. Now, something that people do talk about, and these are kind of the, you know, worst people online who are talking about this, is this idea of consent and agency that gets really blurry, right? So people are saying it with Andrew Tate, right? These girls wanted to do it. They were his girlfriend. They signed up for it. They were within their rights to do it. People say that with photos too. Oh, well, she wanted it at the time. And then the next day after she regretted it. So like, that's not my fault because there was consent at the time. And it's such a blurry line to talk about agency in sex work or consent and coercion. So are there kind of laws and phrasing around that? How do you determine if someone is does have agency in their sex work if they are consenting to photos being shared and if they aren't being coerced? How do you kind of nail that down? Well, I would go to kind of that definition of like force, fraud, or coercion, but there is really just a lot of gray area, like coercion, that psychological coercion. And I mean, not just throw throw even more like gray area in there, but there, I've spoken to so many survivors of sex trafficking who've said that it wasn't until years after they've been out of the sex trade that they realized that they were sex trafficked. Like that while they were in it, they thought, well, me and this guy, like I really love him and we're in a relationship and, you know, I'm kind of like doing this um, willingly to help fund our life together. Or they really at the time viewed, thought that they were in complete control and it wasn't until exiting and therapy that they realized that it wasn't. And I think that's very analogous to how sometimes people can be in an abusive relationship and during it, they don't realize it. They can't like put that into terms. So there really, there is a lot of gray area, especially when you start thinking too about like, well, what is the big questions? Like what is true consent? Like, or what is a free choice? Is it a free choice if you're like choosing between having sex with someone or not being able to pay rent like for yourself or not being able Uh. to put food on the table for your kid? Like, that starts, I would, I'm a bit more of a purist and would say like, that. no, that person's in an exploitative situation just um, when you're at a point of making that kind of a decision. So I think, I think I often just try to reframe it around a lot of times people will. I mean, so there's definite clear like legal definitions of like what is sex trafficking and what is not. But in general, for some of those gray areas, for how I would wants to just, I would, I mean, I think everyone should just have resources to exit the sex trade at any point if they want to. I think we need better like social security nets um, and exit services so that if for any reason someone wants to step away, they can and no one feels like it's a choice between being able to put food on the table or having to engage with somebody. Um, so I, I, I really want our society to like raise the bar a little bit and have the conversation more about like, well, what's like mutuality? Like, are you mutually desiring someone? That should be what we're really pushing for. That's what I would like to see more instead of like, well, technically, you know, I can check the box that someone said yes. I think that's like, I I see why legally that's there, but I think from like a social what I would like to see in society, 
I would I would like it to be more about mutual desire. But also, I'll just add, everyone's saying like, oh, well, the Tate, you know, victims or just like his girlfriends, just because someone says the word girlfriend doesn't mean that they're a girlfriend. Like, that's very common language in like pimping and trafficking to refer to the women as girlfriends. Yeah. Also, when he said he had multiple, I'm like, I don't know. I thought a girlfriend was like a one at a time type of thing. Well, I mean, I know that there's like the the ENM community and stuff like that. But the way he was talking about it, it was like, you're not viewing these girls. What are you getting them all presents on Valentine's Day? No, like you're a sick fuck. Yeah. And there's so there's a source, like just on the Andrew Tate more specific point, there was a source in the Romanian judiciary who kind of anonymously spoke out about the charges against him. If I could just read that, I think it's kind of enlightening for that. So it says, they said, quote, the abuse was physical and emotional. They, and these are six women now who've accused him of trafficking, were not allowed to leave the house without security and they were watched day and night. They were essentially kept under house arrest 24-7 like prisoners. They were deprived of their freedom and followed everywhere. We have information based on what they said on social media that one of the girls brought in up to 50 euro, 50, like $3,000 a month, and they were given no money from what they earned, end quote. So if that all is true, that's like objectively sex, a definition of sex trafficking. And he's bragging too about how... Um he would lie to them and say, I'm paying taxes on this and then give them a smaller amount on the money, but he wasn't actually paying taxes on it. And he literally says like, you can do this because women are stupid and they don't want to do their taxes, which first of all, asshole, nobody wants to do their taxes. Even are you doing your own like taxes? It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just like, what, a, what an asshole. Huh. Now, when you mentioned that about this idea of, um, you know, if your two choices are engage with someone sexually or not pay rent, I never thought about it that way. And you're right, it is such a gray area. And I have heard people say too, when it comes to issues of consent, what about if you have sex with someone, they say that they're single, you find out afterwards that they're married, is that unconsensual? Because otherwise you you wouldn't, you didn't consent to having sex with a married person. Or if you have sex with someone, they don't tell you about an STD that they have, well, you didn't consent to having an interaction with that STD that you didn't know about. So there's all of these different gray areas that like there aren't laws around it, there aren't rules around, well, there might be about the STD thing. There might be about the STD. But it is just like, it's, it's really interesting. And whenever I see people online, like the Tate supporters, really nipping and tweaking and somersaulting through all of these ways to be like, but she technically and he like technically didn't do anything with the blah, blah, blah. It's just like that's ins- like he's bringing women to Romania to do sex work. You're tra- anytime you're transporting someone across the country, like I just feel like you're kind of doing something hairy there. And I just anyway, that's bizarre to me. Yeah, I think a lot of people get really and and some for some good reason, like there's different contexts for these conversations. Right. There are laws and I believe in rule of law, like I believe in due process and I want to court system where, you know, survivors are supported and I want truth and correct justice to be given. But then also there are just like sexual ethics and like, how do you treat people? And like, what is like, yeah, you, people can be in a deceptive situation. And 
I, I feel like that is exploitative at, at the minimum, even if it doesn't rise to a legal case. But yeah, so I, I understand why people will be like, oh, well, this or that, like, was it technically a law? But I always think about people who are like, oh, well, the 45-year-old dating the 18-year-old, well, she's 18, yes. so so it's fine. And it's like, well, if that's, if like the bare minimum is like just what's like legal, I mean, like, I don't know. There, there's also what about being a good person and yes. empathy for others. So many people did that with the Dave Portnoy case, which, by the way, you know, I, I believed the victims from that. And it was an immediate sign she was telling the truth when she said that she met Dave Portnoy and she thought he would be interesting, but he was really just a grumpy old man. The minute I read that in her testimony, I was like, yeah, that seems about accurate. But people were like, what he did was perfectly legal. And yeah, I guess it is legal to fly like freshly 18 people out to your house in Nantucket to have sex with you. But if it is consensual sex, right, like if it is, that is legal. But do you want your dad doing that? Do you want your son doing that? Like that's like, do you want your boss doing that? That's like, do you want it written about in the newspapers? Like there's a reason he was concealing it from getting out. And that's because, yes, it is legal, but no, it's nothing to be proud of. And it's like not a virtuous thing to do. ZocDoc. I am so excited that ZocDoc is going to be sponsoring today's episode because I have been using ZocDoc for, I think, maybe six years now. I've used them in Chicago, Tampa, San Francisco, New York, all over, and I've always had a great experience. When you get into this phase of life where you're not really like living at home anymore, you're not in college, and you can't just ask your mom like, hey, who's the dermatologist down the street that you go to? Because you're living on your own. So that's why ZocDoc has always been so helpful for me. Anytime I need to see a specialist or if I've moved to a new city and I just need to see a primary care doctor, I always find them on ZocDoc. You can see exactly where the um, doctor specialist is. You can see their ratings, their reviews. You can book an appointment through the app, find out exactly when they're available. It's just so, so easy. So ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and can deliver the type of experience that you want. So ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. And of course, that insurance thing, very important. It's just so nice, easy, and seamless to be able to slot your insurance in and see who accepts it rather than having to do all of that. So go to ZocDoc.com fluently and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com fluently. ZocDoc.com fluently. Now, what about this idea of cam girls and trafficking? I would imagine that that industry is one that could be really hairy because even I've even seen videos of um, people who go on TikTok live and they've got like an entire factory with like little dormitories and cubicles where each person's going on live to make money and get coins and streamers are doing this. And, you know, camming is obviously a form of live content, streaming content. What do you know about the camming industry? Because I have heard just from stories from people online where they're like, yeah, I thought I would make all of this money and I ended up getting screwed by the company or they only gave me the smallest percentage or you make all of these tips, but then they don't tell you in the fine print that you only keep 15% of the tips after you work there for six months and it's all of this stuff. So 
what do you know about camming and, and how they can kind of screw you on that? Yeah, it's really, it's really uh, complex because there's all these different kinds of business models. Sort of like you said, sometimes it's a company, but then sometimes it's more of the like on the OnlyFans model, like one-to-one subscriptions. But but yeah, that's that's really really what I've heard too, is that very often people will not make as much as they think that they're going to. And OnlyFans actually, you know, it's like the top like 10% makes the vast majority of the money on OnlyFans, the average content creator on OnlyFans uh, is making minimum wage or less. So th- there's like a lot of false marketing about how much you can really make. Uh, there's also been some studies that really are based on interviewing people who are in the industry, who are camming or live streaming. Very often people will say there's kind of like a race to the most extreme because you need to stand out because because there's so much content. There's so many people that for you to amass a following, there's more and more almost just like uh, capitalistic pressure to do something more extreme. Um, there have been cases where people have even died, unfortunately, from from doing something extreme. And another angle that those interviewer those, those interviews have found is that there's a lot of emotional effort too that goes into it, especially in the types of camming like OnlyFans, where you really are trying to build up like a illusion of a relationship with the person. So you're really having to perform emotionally in a way too that performance say is often just very draining. Mm-hmm. I think of that all the time too. And I remember Riley Reed, right? She's one of the biggest porn stars out there. And I've listened to her on a couple different podcasts. And I remember she was saying that she preferred when you think about all the different types of sex work out there, she said that she preferred porn to stripping because she, and I relate to this when she said it, she's like, I am a dolphin, not a shark. And when you're a stripper or a cam girl, right? Like you have to also have this entrepreneurial go-getter spirit where you're always, you're like a salesperson. You're always looking to like acquire the next lead and then like upsell that person because that's how you make your money. So not only do you have to like be sexy, look good, get waxed, like look fantastic. Then you have to remember everyone's name, know exactly how to appeal to them, get them into a room, deliver exactly what they want. It is really like a full service type of job. And yeah, I've definitely browsed back in the day. This was like before I don't watch porn anymore, but maybe like eight years ago browsing through people on cams because sometimes you're like, this is crazy. Like there's a hundred girls here that I can just pop into that are like live for free, see what they're doing. And they're all gorgeous. And yeah, like they would shout out certain usernames and be like, oh, like Lucky Duck 250, like you're back in here. The mental Rolodex of all of that. And that's a really interesting point. You don't think about how much of a true work your ass off job it type of is. Like it, it is emotional. And I'm sure you have to be a little bit of a therapist to some of these guys too, yeah. depending on what they want. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so I think that those are, that's some research that I've seen on like the general industry. But then of course, you know, it goes to that issue also of you also don't know what's happening behind the camera very often, which it's very interesting with this Andrew Tate example, because I remember when I learned that he owned a camming company and that he did OnlyFans like marketing, like pimping um, people with OnlyFans, that he and that he moved to Romania. I was like, huh, that's interesting because I know that in Eastern Europe, kind of these really exploitative um, trafficking situations 
happen where they where they lock women into rooms or you know have uh, have them trafficked but for the purpose of camming and it's just been very fascinating i remember thinking i know that that's a phenomenon that's happening and it's very interesting that then that's kind of exactly the phenomenon that's being described at least so far in in the court cases and i think that's just uh you know, there's still just verifying that age and consent is not happening at scale in a meaningful way. Like I think very often, in, you know, some companies will require like a ID or something like that. But yeah, do you know if that person. I mean, I faked an ID. Yeah, like everyone has. Now, this just popped into my head. Do you know of the vlogger, like influencer Alyssa Violet? No. She was part of Jake Paul's crew. And this is, I'm not saying that Jake Paul was a sex trafficker at all, but I'm just saying that these patterns, I think, are pretty apparent when it comes to content. So basically, Jake Paul had this little clout house out in LA when he first started vlogging. And there were like some guys there who were good at acrobatics. There was one guy who was a singer. It was kind of like you had a little, every influencer was in the house, maybe like six of them. And Alyssa Violet was in the house with him. And they would always make content together, like sometimes pretend to be dating. Those videos would always go wild. She was just like a hot model in the house. And it came out afterwards that they kind of had a relationship where like Jake never said that she was his girlfriend exclusively, but they were sleeping together. They had always been involved, but Jake would also be sleeping with other people too. And it just really fucked with Alyssa's head that like, hey, we were together last night. Now someone else, I can hear you guys doing it. I'm downstairs. You still want me to be in content. You still want me to be in videos. Just this idea, too, of people, everyone wants to watch a girl more than they want to watch a guy. And this idea of people, I even see it, like, on YouTube and Twitch where you're always getting the girl for the one second she's in the video. She's your thumbnail, her with her boobs out. Mm -hmm. And this idea of being like, oh, I'm into you enough for you to be in my videos, but not enough for you to be my exclusive girlfriend. And I feel like that's not... I'm not saying Jake Paul is a trafficker, although I do think he's a piece of shit. But I just feel like there is that idea of like women online taking advantage of how they look, their likeness and their sexiness. Yeah, it's like sexually objectifying, I think is a really it's that's like a pervasive cultural issue of just viewing women as like props, essentially, to kind of get views, get attention, hold someone's attention and yeah, that's that's a really big issue. And I think I think we should talk about that more or even like our own experiences of sec- being sexually objectified. Pretty much every woman has them in different ways. And I don't know, I think the more that we talk about that kind of thing, it's helpful. And it's also helpful to know, too, that you don't need men online to have a booming career because check out fluently forward i don't think there's a lot of straight men who listen to this podcast so it is possible ladies now before we wrap up by the time this comes out i will have done many different rants about prince andrew and jeffrey epstein you are still currently uh living in england with everything that's going on with prince harry are people in england i'm just dying to know are they talking about prince andrew being the pedo king at all or has that kind of surfaced they definitely have over time. Like, I don't think it's the top, the top royal drama right now, but they definitely have been talking about that and are aware. I mean, Prince Andrew wasn't like allowed to be involved in certain royal ceremonies that he used to be, or I don't think he was allowed to wear his 
uniform, a military uniform at the Queen's funeral. And some they obviously removed him from like some royal services uh, to try to downplay him. I've found it very interesting. I don't know if this has been one of your rants, so cut this if it has. <laughs> but all of the, you know, content around like Prince Harry talked about, you know, his penis and about like <laughs> lipstick being shared and like all these like very small things, but no comments about Prince Andrew. I'm like, why aren't why aren't you talking about like just if you just said that, I feel like people would be so on your team if you're like, you know what? P- Prince Andrew was kind of a creep and we just don't feel like the royal family was handling that really well and transparently. So we yes. just to step away. Like, oh, I think that all the time to Haley and I over Christmas, we were talking about suggestions to give to celebrities. Right. And I think yours was like Prince William, get on the hair plug train. Come on. And, you know, like <laughs> grow it out. And yeah, that's another great one, too. If you can talk about your frostbitten penis, you should be able to talk about your pedophile uncle that, like, everyone knows is a pedophile. Everyone would be on your side about that. He's a part of your family. You're airing out all the family secrets, and you don't put that in there? And it's not like, what? He he was afraid he was going to get sued? Oh, yeah, because you were so timid about the other stuff in the book. Like, why was why was that not in there? No. I think it's very interesting that it wasn't in there. I don't know what it means but it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very creepy stuff. Look at us. We started with Andrew Tate and okay, you can always bring it back to Epstein. So if those Twitter people get mad at you. <laughs> okay. Thank you so, so much for coming back on Haley. I really appreciate it. I mean, I wish I could say we'd never have you back on again, but you know, there will be more sex trafficking that happens in the future. And honestly, just hats off to you for doing what you do because it is like a really scary world out there and you guys do try to do the right thing and get completely shat on by people online. But I'm glad Nicosi exists and I'm glad that you guys are offering support to victims, whether they be Andrew Tate's or anyone who needs Mm -hmm. any support. You can always go to Nicosi and look at their resources. Thank you so much, Shannon. And thank you for, I think I said this to you at Christmas also. I just come, when I can't come on, I just depress everyone. So thanks for having me back (laughs) on. Everyone go like take a walk and hug a dog or something. But thank you, Shannon, for bringing joy to people. I (laughs) love your podcast because it gives me something positive in my day. You're so sweet. No, no, no. You, you're always a fun. You're very interesting education. That's what I'm reframing it. You're not depressing, but you're educational and interesting and intriguing and and thought provoking. So thank you again for coming on. All right, Haley McNamara, everyone. All right, a round of applause for Haley for coming back on. She is so knowledgeable. I could listen to her talk for hours. I'm so honestly, I'm just lucky that she's in the family. I'm really blessed here to have her around. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Haley for coming on. Check out the show notes for any of those resources that we mentioned. And if you want to check out our first sex trafficking episode we did about Ghislaine Maxwell, that's also available on here. You could just type her name in. Um, I'm a little bit embarrassed because I was a new podcaster and I kept interrupting her in our entire episode, which is like such a shame because she has such great stuff to say. So just if you can get past that, it's a good episode. And if you're interested in more content, patreon.com slash fluentlyforward. I actually had Haley and all members of my family on maybe three months ago, and we did an episode where each person talked about a celebrity interaction that they had had personally. And Haley had a very 
interesting story about Vladimir Putin's brother on a yacht and the nasty shit that went down on there. So that along with, you know, every other, every week we do an entire episode on Patreon. So head on over there if you want to check it out. And if not, I will see you on Wednesday for a mini episode and then on Monday for a full one. So thanks for hanging out with me, guys. Bye. Bye.